Brother John was here and ministered, then you're in for a treat because he will bless you. If you like good Bible preaching and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, then you're in the right place today, okay? Because he will bless you today with the Word of God. He is anointed of the Holy Spirit. And, um, amen, you, know, you all know me and you know what I like and what kind of preaching I like. And I, I guess every church is that way that pastors usually have the preachers that fit what they are. I mean, you know, and, uh, and uh, so we're just happy today to have Brother John Richardson with us. And he's going to come and minister the Word of God to you today. Um, we didn't have special prayer for the sick this morning because I'm going to let him uh, have the altar service today and, and do as he feels led of the Holy Spirit to pray for your needs, to pray for the sick, to minister to you after his, after his preaching, okay? So I want you today to welcome to this platform Evangelist John Richardson. Give him a good Missouri welcome today. Brother John. God bless you, my brother. Take your liberty. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Let's give him a shout of triumph. How, as David said, and it never gets old, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. David just at that moment gave up his kingship. He gave up his royalty. He said, I'm a believer, and I need to get to the house of God that I can hear from God, that I can worship God, that I can be a part of corporate worship. And what an effect that must have had on the kingdom when the king of the whole nation would come and often lead in praise and worship. And by the way, didn't we have some magnificent praise and worship this morning? That was unbelievable. And uh, I, I, I'm just going to tell you the truth. I stand in awe. I stand in awe because what y'all have here is not happening everywhere. You, you can teach the word, and this is a manifestation of the word in people's life, God confirming his word in people's lives, but you can't teach this. People either have a heart to worship, they have a heart, a hunger for more of God, a thirst for God. You can't teach this. And I will tell you something, what you have here is very rare. You're not seeing this everywhere across America. And we desperately need this in every town, in every city across America. And I commend you and your pastor. I mean, I'm going to just tell him the truth right now. Uh, I, he, he, he said more in 15 minutes just opening the services than some preachers say in a year. And I got two messages just listening to this man doing the intros. That's incredible. Um, aren't you thankful that you, serve, that you serve under a man who gives himself to the word of God like that? And a wonderful first couple. They're a wonderful first couple. And I am so glad, Pam and I are so glad that we have the honor and privilege of being back with you again this year. And I have to tell you something. This is kind of hoiky-joiky, uh, but I got to tell you this. I just got back from a, a mission trip. It was a phenomenally important mission trip. It was phenomenally successful in, in, in from God, and God was the one who did the supernatural. I did my best. He did the rest. But the Lord assigned me to go to Uganda where there's 1.3 million refugees, homeless people. If you got a stick and a rag over the stick, that was a home there. And then I was 30 miles from the Civil War in the Congo to my west. And we got to minister to about 500 Congo warriors and 10 miles south of the Civil War in Sudan. It was a very difficult area to minister in. But we saw some of the greatest miracles. I saw some of the greatest miracles of 39 years of ministry. And I want to just touch on this because some of you have lost loved ones. All of us probably have lost loved ones. And you don't know how, what it's going to take to get them saved or what was going to bring them to salvation. 
But after this very grueling week, most of our mornings started about four in the morning. We would go to bed about midnight because we set aside several hours in the middle of the day to train 100 men and their wives from Zambia and 100 men and their wives from Uganda to minister to these refugees after we leave. Because three people from America can't minister to 1.3 million refugees. So we trained and gave them piles and piles of books that they can use to equip pastors. And we're raising up pastors right now every single day in those refugee camps. That's a good thing, saints of God. That's a good thing because that's the answer. And um, so we were quite busy, needless to say. And I'll, on the way out of the, out of the, um, on the way to the airport, they called that night as we were going back to where we slept. They said, Brother John, do you mind if we take a slight detour and go by a prison in the morning? I said, well, of course, if it's an opportunity to go to prison, of course. And uh, they told me I had to get up three hours earlier than I was supposed to. So I knew it wasn't going to be just a little way out of the way. I knew it was going to be quite a bit of the way out of the way. But I felt good in my spirit. I have never seen this. I have never heard anybody share this. I talked to people that have been in missions their entire lives for generations. And I had the privilege of going into a prison in Uganda. Mostly refugees that got desperate and did what desperate people do, steal or something like that. And, and I walked into a prison and I've never had this happen, Brother Hensley. And I preached just... I got up there and, and understand this. This is not about race. It's, it's about culture. And I'm standing there in front of a bunch of people that were raised Muslims. They were raised, they were raised Muslims. I'm standing before a bunch of people. Please understand this is a cultural thing. Who about 50 years before the French and the British came into their country. And then of course Idi Amin after that. And they took all their diamonds. They had a tremendous amount of diamonds there. They, 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 they took all their gold and platinum and silver. And then they left them literally bankrupt. So to say that these people had a mistrust for white people would be an understatement. And I don't blame them. And I walked into this prison. And I said, what do you say under this circumstance? And you could see the distrust and they're Muslims and they've been taught to distrust Christians from the get-go. And then God gave me a rhema word. I said, why do you think a man would fly thousands and thousands of miles just to come see you? Why do you think we would drive three hours through the desert to get to this prison? See, they do that for a reason, because if the inmates escape, they'll die before they can get food and water. There's a reason for the isolation. And I said, gentlemen, I know there's an element of distrust here, but you got to know I love you, or I wouldn't have come all this way to see you. And you've got to know Jesus loves you or he would not send me all this way to see you. And these hardened men who have lived through hell, tears just started rolling down their cheeks and suddenly they didn't see a Westerner. Suddenly, they didn't just see a Christian. They saw the love of Jesus and saints of God I have never seen this. Every single inmate in that prison gave their life to Jesus Christ. The entire population. I know this for a fact because the warden and wardens there in Africa wear medals all over them and stuff. And the warden came up to me in front of the inmates dropped to his knees. I said, sir, you don't have to drop to your knees before me. He said, no, I'm dropping to my knees before your God. And he said, the warden of the prison said to me, 
My entire population just got saved. I cannot be their warden if I don't know the Jesus that they now know. And the, war and the warden got saved. We are entering a season of the miraculous. We are entering a season of the supernatural for those that are hungry and those that are thirsty. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? And guys, I got to tell you this because it was a miracle. You are witnessing a miracle. It took me 48 hours to ask my wife to get home from Africa. That was the worst case of jet lag that I have ever, 48 hours to get home from Africa. After a very grueling two and a half weeks in the refugee camp, I had not been myself because of fatigue and because of, of, of the jet lag. We got in, by the time we got to bed, I got three hours sleep last night. But I woke up this morning and I feel like a new man. I woke up this morning and God has renewed my youth like that of an eagle. And I have a very important message. Please share the word tonight to everyone you know. Tonight is a miracle service. Please share the word with people. The more, the merrier. Everybody needs a miracle. You get on your Facebook and say it's miracle service tonight. I know it's hoiky-joiky. And when I got up, I felt so good and started celebrating what it is to be a born-again child of God. I started just celebrating being saved and what it meant to be born again and all the things that salvation means. I got to think that I and you, we know God on a first-name basis, that you and I have the privilege, as Pastor said, to come boldly to the throne room of grace and find help. Anytime we get in trouble, we, we have the privilege of serving and knowing on a first-name basis the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords. And because of Jesus Christ, we have abundant life now and eternal life forever. Have you ever thought what that means? It means the most important thing in your life has already been settled because of Jesus Christ. You are going to get to spend forever in heaven. The Bible says if we will faithfully serve God like the jailer did, our household shall also spend eternity with us in heaven. But the thing I'm most grateful about this morning for being saved, I don't know about the rest of y'all. When I look at you, I see people that probably in my hearts and minds were raised in church, probably never committed any serious sins. And, and, and you can just, by looking at you, you, you look so holy and sanctified. And I mean that. I'm serious about that. But I got to tell you something, folks. Before Jesus saved me, I made a mess of my life. I really, you, you know, I should be in the Genghis books of world records because for a man to mess my life up as bad as I did in just 25 years that's got to be some kind of record and I have to tell you saints of God I want to thank God because of how badly I had completely destroyed and messed up my life that my God when he saved me your God when he saved you gave you a fresh start at life aren't you glad that he started your life over again when you got saved and so you not only got your sins forgiven God gave you a fresh start entered a covenant with you through the finished work of the cross of Calvary and it made a whole new world available to you. Oh, saints of God, do you remember this morning where God brought you from to where you are today? So this morning for just a little bit, turn to somebody and say it's going to be hoiky-joiky. Turn to somebody and say it's going to be hoiky-joiky. Because God has spoken to me that this revival is about a fresh start. No, you, you are a magnificent church, head and shoulders above the vast majority I had the privilege of preaching in. But I want you to know that God has a plan for you. God wants to make you a first, a first century church in the 21st century. 
He wants you to be a modern-day book of Acts church where your shadow heals folks and signs and wonders. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? That's the next level. So I'm going to, it's a little hoiky-joiky, but God has directed me this way, and because I know you're a word people, I don't feel near as nervous about it as I, I would have feel in most churches. You, 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 you got to know. I go to some churches that I'm preaching five minutes, and people are looking at their watch. Five minutes, man. I mean, you can't even do a Toyota commercial in five minutes. <laughs> so I've got a word from the Lord. And so let us go to Genesis chapter 8. Give the PowerPoint poison a hand for making this so easily available by having it up on the screen. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 8, and then I'll tell you when to go to voice 20 through 22, and then chapter, chapter 9, voice 1. But it's going to be a little holy jerk. So can we pull up Genesis chapter 8, voice 4? Do we have that? There we go. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise for and then we'll go to the other verses. And this is a significant time in the history of the planet Earth. We know about 2,000 years have passed since creation to this moment. That in itself makes it significant. And the ark of God rested in the seventh month. I've learned through experiencing God that whenever God gives a particular date, it's significant. And it's going to have significance in the future, or he would not give the exact date. And the ark of God rested on the seventh month, in the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month. Now that's pretty, pretty precise, isn't it? Upon the mountains of Ararat. Now what did this moment represent in the history of mankind? It represented, first of all, the end of God's judgment. God saw that man's heart was continuously on sin and reluctantly he sent a flood and it destroyed the entire planet earth saving Noah and his sons upon the ark. And through the Noah's three sons, all of us are kin. Turn to the person next to you and say, I love you, cousin. I love you, cousin. I love you, cousin. Hey, either you believe the Bible or you don't believe the Bible. If you believe the Bible, we are all direct descendants of Noah's three sons. So we're cousins. Now, if you have trouble getting people to visit the revival this week, let me give you a way to do it. You know how you'll do things for family that you won't do for other people? When you invite them to revival and you won't be telling a story, you just look at them and say, but you got to come. You got to come. And they're going to look at you and say, why? Because Cousin John's preaching. You got to come. And you're, and you're not telling a story. I may be a distant cousin, but we cousins. But at this moment, at this moment, this was the, brought an end to the judgment of God. The flood was God's judgment, but when the ark rested safely on top of the ark, through the grace and mercy of God, that handful of people was, were spared from the judgment of God. However, judgment was invariably going to happen again unless a fresh covenant is made with God to prevent one in the future so you don't repeat the same mistakes. So this is the end of God's judgment. There's going to be a fresh covenant made. and There's a pattern here which is going to lead to a fresh start of abundant life. How many want a fresh start of abundant life? You, so before, I know it's a little hoiky-joiky, but it's Sunday morning, and I feel that. How many of you really love the Word of God? How many are hungry for the Word of God? I know you know the story of knowing the ark. I mean, everybody knows that from little kids in Sunday school. But while I was studying this pastor, I, I like to get thorough. And when I was digging just a little bit into just who Noah was, I found some interesting facts about Noah. Probably you all know it already, but please pretend like you don't. Act like you're surprised by it. I, just, I studied, when I was studying the story of Noah and the ark, I found some very, very interesting facts that reveal to us the heart of God, the workings of God, the nature of God. And these are important things. For example, how many know that God has a plan for your life? 
that God knew you before your mama was born, your grandmama was born, and God has a big plan for your life to affect other people. For example, the name Noah means rest. So I don't know how much his parents understood, but when they named Noah, the name Noah, they were saying that someday my son is going to be bring rest to the human race. And when that ark of God rested upon on top of Mount Ararat, it brought rest from God's judgment. Somebody shout hallelujah. I find it also interesting that when God calls Noah in Genesis chapter 6, verse 8, this is real important. Write it down in your notes. It is the first time the word grace is mentioned in the Bible. So the reason why Noah and his family escaped the judgment of the flood, even though they were better than the other folks, still required grace of God for them. Oh, some, how many are glad that you're going to escape the judgment of the tribulation that's coming, the judgment of hell by the grace of God? Now notice, this is something really, really powerful. The Bible says that also that 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 this that Noah was a just man in perfect in all of his ways. Now, having said that, you say, well, why would he need grace? Perfect in all his ways, as much as a natural man could be. The only perfect man that ever lived a sinless life on the planet Earth was Jesus Christ. So Noah had a heart to live a perfect life before God, but he was not perfect absolutely. So even Noah needed the grace of God to escape God's judgment, although he wasn't caught up in what the other people were doing. Now, guys, this is very, very important. How many have ever heard of the great prophet? I'm going to call him a prophet. Not, not He wasn't just an evangelist. He was a prophet. How many ever heard of Billy Graham, one of the greatest men of God that ever walked the planet Earth. He made, I was reading a book he wrote when he was a much younger man, and he wrote in this book, and understand, I don't know, I never heard Billy Graham preach once saved, always saved, although that's what his denomination believed. I never heard him preach that, but he came from a denomination that believed that, and he wrote in the 50s, in the 50 saints of God, that he believed that less than half the people that attended Baptist churches on Sunday were really saved, and he questioned their salvation because there was no transformation. I'm concerned today, not in this church, but because of people's beliefs. Your beliefs identify who you are. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak it. So I have to question the salvation of some people by the things that they call good, the things that they call right. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I said that for a reason because this is going to blow your mind. I did great research and I happened to in January to be in Cleveland, Tennessee, Pam and I with the executive committee and I talked to some really great theologians that really are theologians and I said, am I right about this? And they said, you are absolutely right about this. For the first 2,000 years from creation to the flood of Noah, did you know that biblically only three men served the Lord, Abel served the Lord and was murdered by his brother? Enoch served the Lord, and God took him to heaven alive because he pleased the Lord. And Noah served the Lord, and God spared him from the flood. Now, there may have been others that served the Lord during that time period, but the Bible does not say for sure. But we do know, according to Hebrews chapter 11, the Christian Hall of Fame, it starts out with talking about creation, and then it tells us how we can release the creative power of God in our lives by faith. And then it goes to the genealogy of the human race. Notice, if you please, when it goes to the genealogy of the human race, it skips Adam and Eve and goes directly to Abel. From Abel, it goes directly to Enoch. From Enoch, it goes directly to Noah. And that's the end after the first 2,000 years. Now, after the flood of Noah, there was a whole lot more people served the Lord between that and the birth of Jesus. I guess partially out 
kind of fear of what they heard. But what I'm trying to say, it is very possible that for 2,000 years, only three men really served the Lord. Oh, saints of God, we need revival in America to make sure that people that are attending church are really been transformed by God. We need revival in America. Now Noah started building the ark when he was 500 years old. He completed the task when he was 600 years old. But the Bible says of Noah that he was a preacher of righteousness. Pastor, you know, how many preachers in this room? Let me see your hands. How many teachers in this room? How many singers are in this room? You born with the preaching you. You born with the teaching you. You born with the song in you. And saints of God, he didn't start preaching righteousness at 500 when he started building the ark. This man Noah preached righteousness for 600 years years and according to the word of God none not one of Noah's other than his boys not one of his kinfolks escaped the judgment they were kin blood kin to the preacher of righteousness that had found grace in the sight of God yet they still missed the message of God's love hear what I'm saying to you my beloved this morning he had a cousin by the name of Methuselah who's not on the ark. Do you know what the name Methuselah means? It means deluge. This man is the oldest man in the entire Bible. He lived to be 969 years old, and for almost a 1,000 years, every time someone said, hello, deluge, how you doing, deluge, that God was warning them about the flood that was going to come upon, oh, come on, somebody, give the Lord a hand clap of prayer. He is a God of mercy. Now, the ark itself was 450 feet long. Take a football field, cut another football field in half, add it to it. That was the length of the ark. It was 75 feet wide and 45 feet high. Now, I find this very, very interesting, and then I'm going to go on with my message here. I find it interesting that scientists a few years ago started out to disprove that the ark was a real story because their theory was you can't possibly put all the animals on one ark. That's insane. You can't do that. But now they started studying fossil records. You see, the real study of science, I have great respect for science because real science is a study of what God already knows. And when they, when they started doing research to their shock, Pastor Hensley, they discovered only 250 species of animals existed at the time of the flood of Noah. Since then, there's been many subspecies that have come out of that. So there was more than enough room on the ark to hold all the animals and the food. Oh, come on, somebody. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Now, can we pull up that uh, Noah, uh, Genesis chapter 8, verse 4. The word Genesis means beginning and birthing. This is the plan of God, the birthing of God's plan for man. It started in Genesis 1 when he created man. But now, after 2,000 years, judgment has come, but he has not given up on man. So when the ark of God rested upon the Mount of Ararat, we know that this marked the end of God's judgment. In 40 days, they're going to see other mountaintops, and the animals would be released from the ark. At that point, Brother Hensley, God spent, or Noah spent, 365 days alone with the Lord. Imagine the change it would make in your life or our life if we could spend a whole year alone with God. Wouldn't that be an incredible thing? But we also know this brought an end of God's judgment, but also there's going to be a new covenant, which is going to bring a fresh start for the human race. Now let's go to, to Genesis ch chapter 8, verse 20. I know it's hoiky-joiky, but bear with me. And no, you, it starts, at, what I mean by hoiky-joiky, if you look it up on Google, it means stop and go. So it's stop and go right now, but it's going to pick up real fast now because we got the car going. See, if you go from zero, this is important because this message is life-changing. 
See, I got just curious, and I'll just be honest with you. I just got curious. I got curious and looked up what the seventh month was out of curiosity. Didn't expect to find anything other than what the month was, but when I found it, rain just started flowing. And, the, and the Noah built an altar. So Noah not only knew how to build an ark, Noah knew how to build an altar. So what did Noah learn when he spent the year alone with God? He said, the only way we can avoid judgment in the future is we, I have to build an altar for me and my family. We need altars in our home. We need prayer altars in our, we need prayer altars in our home. Now he built this altar, just one man. Sometimes if we're not careful, we'll come to church and say, well, we're just 200 people. What could our worship mean? What can our worship change in the scheme of things with 7.7 billion people in the world? Well, this is just one man worshiping God. No doubt he's thanking God. Thank you, Lord, for sparing me and my children. He saw those tens of thousands of bodies floating out there, and he was thanking God. And Noah built an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and every clean fowl and offered burnt offering. Noah made a covenant with God. Do you see that? Notice the next verse. Look at the power of this. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, when you worship God with the right attitude, you get a hold of God's heart. He said, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. He ain't talking about the flood. He's talking about Genesis chapter 3, verse 17, 2,000 years before. Because Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. He said, from now on, you're going to work the ground by the sweat of your brow. You're going to till, and all you're going to get is stumps and rocks and just enough to get by. But at this moment, so pleased God. God says, you know what? I'm going to remove that curse from this day forward. That's why you can drive across America and see cornfield after cornfield after cornfield. And oh, come on, somebody. Because God removed that curse. Your worship could cause God to remove a curse. Could cause God to remove a curse over a nation. Oh, come on, somebody. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his very youth. Neither will I again smite any more every living thing. Now that dealt with the flood as I have done. Notice the next verse. You're being very patient. While the earth remaineth. Listen to this. Flood is disaster. Noah, the judgments come. Noah makes a fresh covenant. Look what God says that their future is going to be. A whole fresh start. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. And then God gave a symbol for this covenant. And that symbol is called the rainbow. And there's a group of people that have taken that rainbow and turned it into something vulgar and something filthy. But that was not God's intention. The rainbow was God's symbol. And every time you see that rainbow, you're reminded of what God promised Noah here. When, when you see a rainbow, you see the color white, don't you? All of it points straight to Jesus. When you see the color white, that's the purity of Jesus. When you see the red in the rainbow, that's the blood of Jesus. When you see the blue in the rainbow, that's the sonship of Jesus. When you see the purple in the rainbow, that's the royalty of Jesus. When you see the gold in the rainbow, that's the divinity of Jesus. Is this good stuff? Now it's getting better. It's, um, it's hoiky-joiky, but I know where God's sending me, and I'll do it as fast as I can. But how many want to be blessed? How many want to be blessed? So now God makes a fresh covenant. Now notice the next voice, chapter 9, verse 1. That's where chapter 8 ends. There is no chapter in the original text. So the next thing out of God's mouth is this. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. That blessing is yours. That blessing is mine. Did God keep his word? Look around, y'all. Look around you. 
We're all kin to these three boys. 7.7 billion people came out of those three boys. I say we serve a God that can bless you abundantly. Now, here's the interesting part. I looked up the seventh month and the 17th day of the month. And in the Hebrew, the seventh month of the year is the month Abib. If you're taking notes, I, didn't, I don't know how to say it right. I do know how to spell it. A-B-I-B. But Ibib, there, there you go. But I do, what's important is I know what it means in English. Ibib is the month of April. So we know without no doubt that the ark of God rested on Mount Ararat on April 17th, approximately 2,000 years after creation. Now, this brought an end to God's judgment, a new covenant with mankind, and a fresh new start, fruitful. How many want to be fruitful and multiply and be blessed? Would you like to know what also happened in God's holy word on exactly April the 17th? Somebody full of faith, shout, shout right now. Go ahead. If you're, give the Lord a shout. Just say, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I was amazed to discover, and I discussed this with Brother Doug Small, one of the greatest theologians that we have. And I discussed it. He said, you're absolutely right. On April 17th, the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea. This brought an end to the judgment of 430 years of God's judgment. And the only reason why they're under judgment is they would not obey God or keep his word. So when they crossed that Red Sea, it brought an end to God's judgment. But once they crossed the Red Sea, God says, I don't want my people to fall back in judgment again. Maybe I need to clarify some things. So he calls Moses to the top of Mount Sinai. And he gives them 10 commandments, gives them 10 commandments that says they're not, they're not grievous. If you obey these commandments, I'll bless you. This isn't God punishing people. This is God telling people how to be blessed. We've got it all wrong. You say, well, I, brother John, I, 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 don't, I, I don't like it when people talk about commandments. Well, you, you better like it. Because there's 1,498 commandments in the Word of God. Now, a lot of them pertain to Old Testament stuff we don't do anymore. But God's got this thing about being obeyed. There's over 1,000 commandments in the New Testament. Now, listen, this is where people get it wrong. They say, but Brother John, it's about love and mercy. Yes, we're saved by grace through faith, this gift of God, not of ourselves, lest any man should boast. Obviously, love and mercy. But stop and think. Love and mercy is a given. In other words, God loves everybody, even if they don't serve him. God's mercy is available to everyone, even if they don't serve him. But God's favor and God's blessing is not automatic. God's favor and God's blessings come through obedience. And unless we're taught to obey God, we might go to heaven, but we're not going to be blessed going to heaven. Saints of God, God wants you to be blessed. So he teaches us obedience. So as we, oh, come on, somebody. I'm preaching way over my pay scale. What I'm saying is it's a very serious error when people say obedience doesn't matter, that it's legalism, they don't understand the word of God. Obedience does matter. Just the, in fact, it matters more today than it ever did because in the Old Testament, it was the blood of some barnyard animal. We live for God today. We're the children of God. We're joint heirs of Christ Jesus because Jesus hung upon that cross. God hung upon that cross and his sacrifice demands my obedience. This is not legalism. This is teaching us how to walk in the blessing and favor of God. Would you give the Lord a hand clap? We need balance. Now we can only live by God through the power of God. But God will not violate our free will. We have to want to. 
then he will release the ability to do so. So we know on April 17th, the ark of God rested on Mount Ararat, brought an end to God's judgment, a new covenant, and a glorious fresh future. We know on April the 17th, the children of Israel walked out of 430 years of judgment, that they made a new covenant with the Ten Commandments, and then they had a fresh new beginning where God says, I'm going to give you all this land. I'm going to give you all this land. And guess what? Turn the TV on. They ain't living all the land that God actually gave them. They're going to get that one these days. But they're there. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I ain't getting political. But you need to see something about behind this Gaza Strip thing. All this hoopla about the Gaza Strip. Do you know where the Valley of Megiddo is? It's in the Gaza Strip. And that's where the final showdown is going to be when Jesus comes back and repos this planet. Israel has got to get the Gaza Strip back in order for prophecy to be fulfilled. Someone get, come on, somebody. You're seeing. And plus, I'm just going to say this. And, if, and I, if your pastor teaches different, then believe what he says because he's going to be the one that's here with you all the time. But I still believe those that bless Israel God will bless. Those that curse Israel, God will curse. So I'm going to bless Israel. Would you like to know what also happened in God's holy word on April 17th? On April 17th, about 2,000 years after the ark of God rested. Guys, you got to understand. You don't know. You don't know this, but I'm preaching way above my peg right now. On April the 17th, the exact day the Ark of God rested on the Mount of Ararat, 2,000 years later, exact day, exact day, Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus rose. From the dead. Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus rose from the dead. Now get ready. What does that mean to you and I? It brought an end to God's judgment. We're no longer under the law. But we are in grace, but we want to be blessed in grace, so we obey him. We all come on, somebody. Also, guys, it brought an end to this. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. It brought an end to God's judgment, a brand new covenant. If you believe on the finished work, of Calvary, you are born again, child of God, on your way to heaven with all perks, all benefits. Oh, come on, somebody. You are. <laughs> and what is so cool, everybody say cool. All the promises in the New Testament are covenant promises. Every one of them is yours. Every one of them is yours. Every one of them is yours. So on April 17th, when Jesus rose from the dead, it brought an end to God's judgment. It also made the new covenant available through the cross of Calvary, which opens up a glorious new future to you and I. But here's the kicker, folks. Jesus said, I am. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. When Jesus rose from the dead, that was the fulfillment of that prophecy he said at Lazarus' tomb. And But when he rose from the dead, he was resurrected. 
and he stayed resurrected. When he ascended up into heaven, he ascended in a resurrected body. He sits on the right hand of the Father as a resurrected Savior. He's going to return as a resurrected Savior. Therefore, because you're in God and I'm in him, he is the resurrection and the life, and I live in the resurrection power in Jesus Christ. In him, I have my life and have my being. Get ready to shout. What does that mean to you? What does that mean to me? It means that every day is April the 17th. It means that every day is April the 17th. It means that every day is April the 17th. Every day. Every day, if you messed up, God, you just go to God, and it brings an end to God's judgment. If you need to get closer to God, make that fresh covenant with God, and then watch God bless you in the blessing of April the 17th. Saints of God, it's April the 17th. Tomorrow will be April the 17th. Next month will be April the 17th. We live in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Come here, young lady. Yeah. Yeah, come on. I need a couple ushers to come. If I call anybody and you don't feel comfortable coming, don't come. I won't offend you. I won't embarrass you. I won't say anything to make you feel bad. I would never hurt you. I'd never hurt anybody unless they try to hurt my wife or my grand youngest. Then I got... So I need a couple ushers to come help me. Ma'am, the reason why I did this is not to make a show of you. You know me better than that. But something got a hold of you there. God dropped this into your heart as a rhema. And God said, whatever you need, all of it. You got so many things going on in your life right now, you couldn't make a prayer list. There ain't enough paper. That's right. But God says it's April 17th. You got a new covenant. You, you, judgment's over. You got a new covenant. And guess what? Everything starts over right now. A fresh beginning. You just throw your hands up right now. But there he is. There he is. That's him. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Young, old, middle-aged, teenagers, children, if you need a breakthrough in your life right now, perhaps you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Perhaps you're in a backslidden state and you'd like to have a fresh start to your spiritual life right now. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. God spoke to me and he said, John, you don't ask them to come forward, not that they would be ashamed to, he said, but the crowds are going to get so big you can't do that and, and keep going in the service. So you're going to be allowed to pray right where you sit and make a fresh covenant with God. Listen to me. Now, if you want more and more deeper prayer, more time in prayer, extensive prayer, then you come see me, the pastor, the first lady, my wife, any of the leaders of this church, and we'll pray with you extensively. But for time's sake, please listen. Someone's, there's a bunch of miracles fixing to happen. And I want to give you an opportunity. The biggest and most important thing on a fresh start is that you've got to get away from God's judgment. And the only way the judgment can be removed is if you repent of your sin. And then you enter a new covenant. God, I want to live for you from now on. And then God gives you a fresh, glorious future. I will, I promise you, before my Lord and Savior, I will not call you out. But I want everyone to bow their head. Please bow your head so I can pray for you. Please listen to me. Miracles are about to happen. Are you ready for miracles about to happen? But pastor, God said if I did it this way, it would not take away from the flow of the miracles in the altar. And I ask you right now, you're sitting in this room right now. Maybe you're in a backslidden condition. You've drifted from God. Maybe you've never been saved, but you'd like to bring an end to God's judgment. The way of the transgressor is hard. That's judgment. The word transgressor means to sin when you know better. You can bring an end to that judgment by making a fresh covenant with God and then you have a fresh, glorious future with all God's blessings. If you're here this morning 
and you'd like to make a fresh commitment with God, you need to get things really right between you and God. Get rid of the junk in your life. I promise you, I'm, I'm the only one looking right now. And God, just raise your hand. I see one, two, three, four, five. How many more? Come on, raise them up quickly. Six, seven. How many more? More, raise them. Eight. How many more? Nine. Ten, at least ten. But who's counting? Put your hand down. Say this prayer with me right now. Say it out loud, and all Christians say it too. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross and bringing an end to judgment for all those who will believe on what you did on the cross. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin, for my backsliding. I'm sorry, God, that I've failed you. And God, I throw myself on your mercy. And Jesus, right now, please come into my heart as my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me of my sins and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I do not take my salvation for granted. I will live for you to the best of my ability from this day forward by the power of the Holy Ghost, by the power of your word and the power of the blood. Right now, Jesus, I surrender my life to you in covenant. Salvation is a covenant. And I give my life to you right now in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Welcome to the family of God. Welcome to the family of God. Welcome, 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 welcome. This is not about a numbers thing, but God always responds to faith. Expectation is the breeding ground of all miracles. If you need a miracle, jump to your feet right now. If you need, if you need a fresh start, you're already saved. You love God. If you need a healing, if you need, you may need a fresh start of a fresh baptism of the Holy Ghost. You may need a financial miracle. You may need your family saved. But if you need a fresh start, please jump to your feet right now. I'm not talking about you've been in sin. I'm not saying you did anything wrong. How many of you would like to see your family saved? How many would like a fresh start of a Holy Ghost revival? How many want to be have God? give you a fresh start of renewing your hunger how many will give you a fresh start of a fresh burning fire if you need a fresh start I'm telling if you need a healing in your body you need a how many would like a fresh start of a healed body wouldn't that be cool a fresh start of a healed body I need a couple mushers to come and help me serve the people but if you want that fresh start as our musicians come just raise your hand and step out of your seats and start coming forward and make a line across the front I, and if you cannot stand very long I just had major major surgery on my neck in fact pastor my I, I died twice on the operating table on July 31st of last year my heart completely stopped and they didn't shock me back they they did everything they they said my body just jolted and I came back to life I'm going to show you something. I'm not being vulgar. On July.